Whenever you're ready. That's right. This is the... A word on... A word on... This is a word on play... Plays. Plays with Amy Gang. By Amy Gang. With Amy Gang. Word on plays with Amy Gang. plays i'm amy gang your host and this is isis king my friend and actress i don't know do you have any other signifiers (laughs) (laughs) all around crazy person no not really um hello i'm uh very very thankful that you asked me to be on the show (laughs) oh i'm excited uh we're talking today about the miss firecracker contest a play written by beth henley in 84 i think it was 84 i could be wrong I'm gonna. No, 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 no. I think that's. <laughs> he was. I think he was. Eight, I'm looking it up right now. I'm looking it up. Bum, bum, ba, dum, bum, bum. <laughs> anyway, yeah, eighty-four. This firecracker contest. Mm. Uh, do you want to try to summarize the plot? Oh my gosh. Oh yeah. So it it it's so funny. It, it really reading this. I just have to say it kind of reminded me a little bit of uh, a Tennessee Williams oh, yeah. play. It's uh, it is I guess focusing around this sort of dysfunctional family. Carnell is this young woman who, uh, you know, has has taken over living in her aunt's house after the aunt died sort of bizarrely and tragically. And, uh, and her older uh, female cousin comes home, Elaine, who she's always looked up to. And then her also uh, older male cousin comes back, Delmont, who... It was also she's very fond of and it, anyway she's uh I'm terrible <laughs> it's a terrible story she is trying to establish herself as somebody important and worthwhile in this small town in Mississippi uh through the Miss Firecracker contest pageant kind of a beauty pageant and when the other her other family members you know come home with their own issues obviously uh, you know, sort of craziness and, and whatever ensues. She has a friend, a, a new friend, Popeye, who comes in to be her seamstress to help her sew the costume, who has her own quirks and whatever. She has an ex-lover, Max Sam, who shows up in the picture, um, kind of an, an ex-lover of Delmont. Tessie is running the contest. It's So it's this real cast of characters who kind of all come together for this one contest, seemingly to to hope uh, to help Carnell succeed in winning, uh, so she can, uh, you know, uh, take the tarnish off of her sordid reputation in this town and get the <laughs> hell out of town with some dignity. Um, whether or not that's successful is is sort of <laughs> for you to discover, I guess, when you read it. But. Um, yeah, was that that was a really was that plot summary? That's fine. That's <laughs> mostly plot summary. I. <laughs> Uh, I will encourage you with the spoilers in this. Okay. I am not trying okay. to hide. Um, I'm not even going to try with the spoilers because they're just going to pop out. Um, right. so yeah, uh, basically in the plot, you have Carnell trying to win a competition, mm-hmm. um, and then ultimately failing, um, astoundingly just, just, yeah. Going out in a blaze of glory, which is something that she talks about in in the, uh, <laughs> the script, wanting to leave town in a blaze of glory, winning the contest, and then she just sort of blows up spectacularly. Um, and it's not necessarily clear why she doesn't win, other than that I suppose her her 
reputation as a a woman who gets around kind of precedes her and it's just not I, I think don't know, nobody really wants to support her except you know her family her mm-hmm. friend Popeye Max Sam her you know it's right. just, everyone is really kind of against her and she's just this very lovable person who's just trying so hard yeah I think that's kind of part baffling. of the I think that's part of the the play and the um the theme of the play where it, it's it's about the your reputation as a person mm-hmm. being important in those kinds of situations and and kind of contrary to perhaps who you are. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, let's talk about Carnell. Yeah, because I love I love her. She is she's <laughs> lovable. <laughs> she's so it, it, she's so you know when I first started uh, reading her, I thought, oh okay, maybe she's a little bit of a you know, pardon the judgment, but a little bit of a, a floozy kind of like, uh, who does she? Okay, well, she's not very talented, and she why is why is it so important for her to be in this contest? And this, mm-hmm. she just wants to show off or something, something. But you know, the more you get to know her, you realize that well, she's coming from this you know this background, this really hard family life um, of just not no one ever really loving her, no one ever really saying you are worth something, you are. Um, intelligent and beautiful and clearly beauty is a big big theme in this in this town in this world of the play um which is why she looks up to her older cousin elaine so much because elaine was the beautiful one who then of mm-hmm. course her problem is you know only being beautiful and then you know what does not she really having to not aspire really having to anything, anything else mm-hmm. but um so poor carnell is just you know, she's just really trying to, to to find something that will that will say to the whole world, look at me, I am I am worth this, I have accomplished this, mm-hmm. I am whatever I may have done in the past to try and make myself feel important or special or loved, um, mm-hmm. including, you know, just having numerous affairs with with people in the town and Mm -hmm. you know all all these all these ways that we women have to cope with uh you know self-worth in a society that that ultimately doesn't really value us and I think maybe that's part of what Beth Henley was saying or, or pointing out in this play is in this in this community in this town maybe I can't speak for southern culture at all but you know it's certainly like in this world and environment, like if women are, are judged on their beauty, you know, what does a woman do when her dad, you know, just drops her off at this young age and is like, hey, sorry, you know, you're going to have to live with your relatives because I don't really care about you. And, you know, and then she has to forge her way through the world, not feeling like, you know, the redheaded stepchild, no offense to any redheads out there <laughs> or stepchildren. I, I know some. <laughs> You know, but like you, like that that idea of of being the the other, the outsider, and how do you carve a niche for yourself? How do you make yourself feel like you do belong? And I think that that is really the struggle of Carnell in this whole piece is trying to just you know latching onto this con latching onto this contest and. And saying, oh, you know, my cousin Elaine won this. Mm-hmm. Like, if I can be like her, just beautiful and special and everyone will just will love me, it will just erase all the other bad stuff that's happened in my life. And I can walk out of this town and say, yes, I have done this. I, I am this amazing person. I deserve love. 
And it's yeah. her whole her old mo I is think. is just trying to get people to love her. Yes. Um, I oh my gosh, I felt <laughs> so I felt for her so much. Oh I because I um honestly I've been an actress my whole life. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> um, and in theater, and I love theater. Uh, but maybe being an actress is not the healthiest thing I can do with my... <laughs> it's. I was literally just having this conversation with a, a mutual actor friend of ours mm-hmm. um, earlier today just about, you know, the need to, to put yourself out there and how, how we as performers, we are, we are, I mean, we're, we're looking for that approval mm-hmm. that just just like everyone is with their parents or their you know whatever loved ones relatives etc we are looking for that approval constantly and and yet we're being rejected all the time we have you know we're not getting this role we are not you know getting this job whatever the the case is it's like how do we then lift ourselves up how do we continue to soldier on and say you know what it doesn't matter what those people think I know that I'm good. I know that I'm special. I know that I'm talented. I'm smart. I'm beautiful. I'm, I'm capable. I'm all these things. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. um, it, is, it is very, and boy, and then Carnell is just like putting herself out there. She's in the embodiment. Very, yeah. Very situation. <laughs> mm-hmm. Just judge me world, you know. She's like, the embodiment of that struggle. Yeah. I, oh, mm-hmm. my God. Yeah. And then, <laughs> and then on the other hand, she has Elaine, who is the opposite of that struggle. She mm-hmm. always gets approval and find finds herself trapped in like this ideal situation, um, yeah. which it's... her character arc was maybe the most depressing thing I have ever. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, um, it, I yeah. Because she leaves her husband, let's, let's, she leaves her husband and comes back to live with Elaine. Um, with and Carnell. With Carnell. Yeah. Elaine lives with Carnell. I in know what's going house. on. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. In, um, in mom's house, which mm-hmm. is this very just scary, depressing kind of place. Right. Very, they, they established that this house has not changed since uh, Elaine's mother and Carnell's aunt has, have died, had died right. of right. like some awful disease. Right. Um, Basically, the medication she experimented with turned her into a monkey. Yeah. Or or what? Yeah, she had like a, it was like an she, organ transplant of a, a monkey. A monkey's which, organ <laughs> transplant. Yeah. Kept her alive, but she wound up turning as hairy as an ape, and which of course they reference multiple times. Yeah. In the play. In like a um, comedic way, but like yeah, a very macabre, like dark very comedy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. They call they call this play a southern gothic which I thought, like, really rang true. Yes, (laughs) yes. But, yeah, no, so Elaine, this beautiful woman who everybody looks up to, married rich, hates her husband, hates her children, and leaves them. Or just doesn't even like them. Just, you know, I mean, I don't even think it's the strongest hate. I think it's just, like, this isn't what she wanted. But this is what was expected of her. Mm -hmm. So... Yeah, yeah, it's funny because here, here we have her also trying to live up to expectations, but being put in a in a completely different box, of that. Oh well, she's the one with the beauty, and um, yeah, won the Miss Firecracker contest when she was was sixteen or seventeen or some like very young age, um, and coming coming back to this hometown, which I think honestly on her part was possibly a move to get back to a sense of who she was, mm-hmm. you know, Oh yeah. I remember when I was young and I was 
you know, full of life. And, and before I went down this road, let me get back to that and relive that. And then maybe Mm -hmm. I'll figure out what I'm doing with myself and what, what the next step is. Um, but she, she also has been kind of pigeonholed by life circumstances, you know, married someone that she doesn't really love and she's got kids, but she's like, doesn't really care about the, you know, just like, doesn't care about them and is trying to escape that. And yet, and yet this is completely, this isn't what she's supposed to do. Mm-hmm. You know, this is not what people in, in this society, in this, you know, community do, especially if she's so successful in, mm-hmm. the, in the, you know, appearance department. So successful in the <laughs> appearance department. I mean, department. what does that even mean? What does, <laughs> what does that even mean? Um, yeah. So while Carnell looks up to her and, thinks that she is just the cat's meow that is like very much not, you know, I mean, Elaine sort of knows that and she, and she really loves it, but the attention, but not, you know, but she also is like, this is not what I want. This is not all, you know, sugar and spice and everything nice that this, this, there's a problem that comes with this life. Yeah. Yeah. That she now finds herself in. And in the end, spoilers, (laughs) <laughs> she goes back to her husband, not before having a dalliance with uh, somebody. Yes. Like it's like alluded to that she's gonna go have I, a I night. I think we know. I um, think we know. Here's the question: yes. Do you think it's Max Sam? Because I think everybody online, I read a lot of criticisms, were like, "Oh, she had a dalliance with Max Sam," mm-hmm. but I didn't feel like I I saw anything that explicitly said that it was Max Sam. I, so I didn't assume that. And I guess I, I that was a... I think uh, for me, she says... What does she say? She says um, that she's going to go watch the fireworks at the, at the end of the play, of course, mm-hmm. after the contest. She's going to watch the fireworks with someone down by the wisteria tree. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, this, this is after there had been some... At least in the stage notes, it says clearly there's been some sort of eye contact and maybe a little... Flirting, flirting between mm-hmm. between Elaine and and Max Sam, and and then later on Max Sam when he's trying when he is sort of he's still he's such a player, <laughs> such a such a player. But um, yeah. he you know while he's trying to convince Carnell to hang out with him for a little while, one one last you know dalliance as you say one last whatever. <laughs> Um, I think that's my grandmother's I, term. I, you know what? I really, love, I really love that word because you kind of, you know, you know, it just makes me think of like, oh, you're just, you know, dipping, dipping your fingers in a bowl of water and getting it wet, but not like, you know, immersing your hand in it, mm-hmm. which is kind of like yeah. what, what, what it is. I think yeah. it is the relationship. So um, he makes a comment to her that, uh, you know, when she turns him down and says, no, no, you know, actually, I, I'd rather not. I'd rather just be alone by myself. Mm-hmm. He says, okay, well, I have to get down to the wisteria. And so I was like, ah, oh, yeah, that was, that was confirmed for me. It's, maybe, maybe it's not, you know. I'm just not that smart. Oh, no, 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 no. I, I was looking for it. I was looking uh, for it. And he said it, and I was like, ah, yep, yep, that's what's, mm-hmm. that is what, but I suspected that when even, mm-hmm. you know, Elaine said, oh, yes, I have to, I have to. Watching the fireworks with someone in the wisteria. Da, da, da. I was mm. like, yup, yeah, I know who that is. I know who that is. Uh, and that's gross. But hey, yeah, you know, mm. whatever. It's just a lot of disease swapping in this. Yes, yes, <laughs> this there way. is. There is oh. a lot of. Poor Max Sam is going to die of something. 
all sorts of things. All of them. Yeah. You know what? Tuberculosis, the whole place. Syphilis. He's just there to be tragic. He's, he's with balloons. He's I mean, like you, a sad you know, clown. <laughs> but I kind of, I kind of uh, love him because he has this very, you know, this attitude of, I am, I'm rolling through life, mm-hmm. and when life gives me, whatever, and t- tuberculosis, syphilis, the flu, mm-hmm. whatever, you know, I'm just, I'm just gonna roll with it because it's maybe, it's maybe the most hopeful outlook on life out of all of these characters because yeah, he's really he's just like well here I am and I'm gonna do what I'm gonna do and when I die you know I've already like outlived whatever welcome mm-hmm. I was supposed to have and, and he doesn't really talk about what that is but you know this this sense of I'm I'm here until I'm no longer supposed to be here yeah and he's at peace with that uh, which, Popeye, which I Popeye she had that feeling too, though, mm. of like I I can be wherever I'm happy. I don't need you know. She doesn't seem to need to be a part of something. Mm-hmm. She apparently needs the love of Beaumont. Is that his name? Beaumont. Delmont. Yeah. Um. But she she seems to just she when she gets fired, she's like, oh well, I'll just yeah. move along, you know. And I really did love that about her. Yeah, actually. she was she was kind of a sweet, pure-hearted. Mm-hmm tragic also tragic character you know i thought it was it's so the way that these characters are described in the character descriptions mm-hmm. uh in the play i mean very you know sometimes when you read a play there's there's zero description sometimes there's just an age sometimes it's kind of an mm-hmm. an overall like pragmatic to a fault you know and that's all you have to go on the character but these yeah. were very like Beth Henley really describes this is exactly who this person is. This is what they should look like, which of course then I'm as an actor thinking, oh God, who wants to be <laughs> cast in a role where it, where it says they've got, you know, bug eyes or they've got like a hook nose or yeah. like the ugliest of the bun. And you're like, who wants to think that about, you know, who uh, wants to be cast yeah. that? But, you know, but maybe, I mean, because all of the characters are in this way defined thinking of the play as, you know, macabre and, and, but a, a dark comedy or something, you know, Yeah. then it, it, it serves the purpose of being kind of, I guess, overblown, but, but very, but for a specific reason, mm-hmm. you know, why is this person this way? Why is Popeye, you know, Popeye telling the story about how she got the name Popeye and yeah. bugging out because of this, you know, like essentially allergic reaction or whatever it was to a, <laughs> to a medicaid like, ear drops? ear, ear medicaid ear drops oh, for her yeah. eyes i mean and just you know like yeah that was a that was a prank but and know. and she can hear voices through her eyes she can hear voices which is just eyes. like a casual thing they just, just kind of threw thing. in there just, just <laughs> like thing. oh okay <laughs> yeah that's that's apparently that happens and no one questions it yeah well <laughs> yeah i mean it's does that so is it is this world, I mean, what what is your opinion on this? Is this world kind of based in reality, do you think? Or is it, you know, are these characterized versions of real people? Uh, well, I mean, maybe it well, be all of them, aren't they? <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I think, I think they're purposefully larger than life and a little bit more tragic, but not too much. I don't know. I think Beth Henley is trying to paint a, paint a picture of the South. And she's not necessarily doing it realistically, or she's, you know, it's more of an impressionist painting than a, Hmm. 
than, realistic than a realistic painting. painting. It's not a photograph. It's a mm-hmm. an impressionist painting. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, you know, with Popeye especially, she's talking about like deep poverty and mm-hmm. kind of just like growing up and making dresses for frogs because they didn't have money for dolls. Yeah. Um, that's what you do. Yeah. And I was at once horrified and then also thought, well, yeah. I mean, because what else are you going to do? That's what you do. I mean, mm-hmm. people make do with, with whatever they have available. That's the power of humanity and and yeah. and the capability of of human species. <laughs> then, you know, we are adaptable and we just make do with, with whatever we've got. So, yeah. God, I love Popeye. So she's funny. And I'm trying to think of, you know... Who who would I who would I know in real life who would play this character? Hmm, I don't know. I, I know, know. it's a very interesting. Um, <laughs> I'm trying to think of the name of the actress. She's a famous actress. Uh, she was an Academy Award nominee when she got the role in the film. Um, oh really? Alfrey Woodard. Yes. Alfrey Woodard. Yes. This in the Alfrey, film. In the film. Really? She looks a lot younger than in any of the films I remember her in. <laughs> Um, but well, yeah, yeah, it was, okay. it was definitely an interesting choice for her. Um, okay. yeah, yeah. Oh, um, well, now I really want to see that. She's great. I want to see the actor. film too. I, I haven't, um, mm. but yeah, I honestly don't like, I see Popeye is just like this giant shining optimist in mm. a world of dark. Um, yeah. What do you think about her? you know, infatuation with Delmont is that, you know, I'm, because <laughs> I'm trying to think, you know, because of course when Cornell is just describing Delmont to her, she immediately mm-hmm. is just like, oh really? He can wiggle his ears. He can, you know, and then He's... just immediately falls in love with him. Mm-hmm. Hasn't even, haven't, you know, really seen, oh, what a no. I guess she saw a photo of him when he was younger. Yeah. Um, but then all of a sudden it's just like, you know, when he comes by the first time. Don't know. Again, I think that this is an impressionist painting of a real life, you mm. know. Mm-hmm. And and maybe a world where you don't have to know somebody too deeply to fall in love with them because you mm. don't necessarily have the choice to be a single woman mm. running around the South, uh, you know. But but perhaps, uh, yeah, I don't know. That was, I guess that was what I gathered from it. And plus, she's very young. They're both supposed to be. It's true. She's supposed to be 23. 23, 24. When I look at back at me at 23, I'm like, right. oh, why? <laughs> oh, 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 yeah. No. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, I made all sorts of choices that I would not make today. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, that, is, that is youth and, and is an experience, really, is... Yeah. Yeah. Well, a lot of people make choices when they're 23 that, you know, roll on into 55. and Right. You know, especially right. when you're making choices about love and romance. Mm-hmm. and um, But anyway, yeah, I, gosh, I think, I think we've, we've pretty, we've talked about a lot of these themes and of like, um, Carnell's like driving character wanting to be loved and I wanted to I wanted to say something about that again too because I think that it's really interesting at the end that Carnell doesn't really get what she wants 
from mm-hmm. the community. She doesn't really get acceptance. Right. But she also doesn't really seem to, like, notice that she's, like, got this family of people that, like, really love her mm-hmm. and support her. Mm-hmm. Um, even though, like, at the end it's just kind of, like, a picture of, like, the people who love her and support her. She doesn't really seem to notice that, and it doesn't seem to matter. I just, I don't know, I felt a bit of relief, like, thinking, like, oh, everybody cares about Carnell, mm-hmm. um, except for the assholes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, except for, yeah. Like, she, maybe it's not that she, she didn't really need, ultimately, she didn't need acceptance from them. She really mm-hmm. maybe needed acceptance from her family. I was pleasantly surprised at the, uh, the love and the care and affection that Delmont and Elaine showed for Carnell yes. throughout the play, because when we first meet them, it seemed like they were, they were very focused on themselves. You know, Delmont is coming back and is like, I'm just going to sell this house. I'm going to get the hell out of here. I'm mm-hmm. going to escape my past. Everyone's trying to escape their past. Yeah. In this, except Popeye and Max Sam. They're not They're but they're, I mean, they're the ones who are probably the most fine because yeah. they just sort of accepted life. But but the three family members, they're all, you know, trying to escape their past and are very sort of self-absorbed. But everyone, you know, uh, Elaine and Delmont really rally around Carnell mm-hmm. as the play progresses, especially during the contest. And that is really beautiful to see. So maybe I think, you know, ultimately at the end, I think Carnell does kind of realize that maybe the other people don't matter so much because she has mm-hmm. these people who are like, oh, we got to get your dress together. Oh, you're going to do great. You know, yeah. that eventually it's like, well, shit, I don't really need them. I mm-hmm. don't, you know, <laughs> I I do have these people who are fine. And maybe this contest really wasn't a big deal because there's still right. people who are like, hey, I want you to come see the fireworks with me. Oh, <laughs> okay. Somebody loves me. You know, geez, yeah. maybe it just takes that one person, mm-hmm. you know. So, yeah. So, yeah. Um, I guess let's just talk about spectacle, mm-hmm. um, which is the last of the, you know, just right. like the how this play looks. Because it's very Southern, and it's centered around the 4th of July, which is weird because this is coming out around Christmas. Um, but, you know. <laughs> right. You know, it is never too early to start thinking about the 4th of July. <laughs> <laughs> and where are you going to watch the fireworks from? <laughs> exactly. I wish it were summer already. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, summer in Mississippi. Yeah. It's oh, set in, you know, maybe not. Maybe <laughs> Set in Brookhaven, Mississippi. Ooh la la. Mm-hmm. I'll tell you what, I was in Mississippi in early November uh, about 10 years ago, and it was just gorgeous. And I thought, yeah. early November, all right, you know, it might be getting a little cold, but no, it was <laughs> 65, 70 degrees oh, it, and just beautiful. It snowed in the south a couple of days ago, though. What? Yeah. I oh got a picture gosh. from Louisiana. I'm like, oh, look, this is Louisiana. Snow in Louisiana. Yeah, right? I mean, I guess it... Yeah, I mean, I guess the world is backwards. <laughs> um, but it, yeah, it's a very red, white, and blue southern, mm-hmm. southern gothic play. Mm-hmm. I just, I like, I don't know. It it seems like this show has a lot of sparkle, and it talks a about a lot of sparkle and shine. But also a lot of um, maybe maybe it's the contrast between. You know, all the, like, the sparkle and the really bright colors of, Mm -hmm. you know, Carnell has got this, you know, fire engine red dyed hair. (laughs) um, 
Everything just has to be bright and blah, 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 which of course is distracting from maybe what I would imagine the the set, the even you know the the tent that she's mm-hmm. in during the contest. Her her home, of course, is described as just being like really creepy and like if everything else about say the set was sort of deteriorating and 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 old. moldy and old and crumbling and falling apart and really like drab colors not very like, co- yeah kind of slimy and really I mean I don't know how you make slimy on on stage but, <laughs> you know but but that that feeling of like wear and tear and disuse mm-hmm. and and decay um boy that's that's just a lot of Tennessee Williams right there anyway um, well, I mean <laughs> Beth Henley and Tennessee Williams are put in the same category yeah, a lot uh, yeah it makes a lot of sense right so but you got um, the shine right on top of it I yeah, like that but then yeah you have so then maybe the costumes and the people then are coming into this and trying to just outdo all of that trying mm-hmm. to counter you know what we're seeing that and just be bright and sparkle and I mean just honestly reminds me of a lot of new construction going on these days you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> everyone's just trying to take something that is that is old and run down and just slap a new coat of paint on it and call it pretty. When yeah. you know, but that but that's still that underneath that layer is still there. The weight of your past. Yeah, is still is still holding on you, but you mm-hmm. can just shake it out and do some high kicks and poo some Roman candles mm-hmm. and you know just. You know, sparkle dance, the hell out of everything. And dance to the Star Spangled Banner. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. So I would, you know, what I'm envisioning, of course, is just, you know, Carnell especially, but even the other ones being just, like, bright and bold and really, you know, I think uh, even in the in the movement of the play, the movement from the actors and from, um, you know, the, uh, uh, the choreography, the blocking, et cetera, et cetera, yeah. on stage would be, just very kind of um, dramatic and big and bold mm-hmm. to counter, you know, the the underlying decay, sense of decay yeah. that would be there, I think, for, you know, in the lighting and the in the set design. Yeah. I, I mean, I could see that very much. Uh, I, I mean, yeah. that definitely uh, feeds into kind of the themes and the mood of the whole thing. Um which, to be honest, like, the the fact that, and I was reading up on what Southern, Southern literature was, because mm. Marin said, well, I don't know if Southern literature is a thing. And uh, I immediately got clapped back, because Southern literature is totally a thing. Yeah, what about, it like, Faulkner? And- cana- canonical. <laughs> uh, yeah, Faulkner, yeah. Tennessee Williams, mm-hmm. um, just, uh, there's a long list yeah. of... <laughs> I was reading in 11th grade literature class <laughs> mm-hmm. um but so beth henley is squarely in this because she uses in the southern literature because she uses like southern themes of family and um so like family and morals and values mm-hmm. community um casual racism mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. unfortunately right, right. um but then, and history and of family and stuff like that. And tradition, like a strong and tradition sense is, of tradition. yeah, and that makes it very southern. But and she also uses southern language. Oh sure. Um, oh yeah. Yeah, so that makes it a southern literature item. Um, but it's mm-hmm. a southern gothic mm-hmm. specifically, which there are sub subsects of southern literature. Go mm-hmm. figure. Um, because of how depressing or like dark 
it can get. Mm. Um, yeah. But yeah, yeah, I really, so it's Southern literature um, talking about like themes that are important to the South and Southern women specifically. Um, I forget where I was going with this. <laughs> yeah. Well, it, I, it's being, being from the, you know, opposite, really the opposite end of the country from, mm -hmm. um, from where this story takes place. Uh, you know, I find, I find it fascinating to read this and, and, uh, this play specifically, but also I guess the other, other plays that I've, <laughs> that I've mentioned that we've mentioned mm -hmm. in this Southern Gothic, um, sub subculture because, or sub, uh, sub, whatever you just said. <laughs> <laughs> Don't ask me. Sub construct yeah. of literature. It, or, right. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Um, category, uh, mm -hmm. because it, you know, how, how, like I'm trying to find, well, how does that relate to me and, and, and my life? And what is the, what is the history? Like, how does history play a role in, um, so much of, of where we come from. I mean, that's just something that I find fascinating as a person, as, yeah. a, as an actor, because our own history, you know, uh, informs our choices, who we are, where we live, what we do, our sense of community and values and that sort of thing. Um, and growing up hearing about the South, reading about the South, but not really knowing the culture from it. And even within the American culture, um, like Southern culture is a, is a subcategory of that, but it's, different but it's, it's thing, a very yeah. specific, very specific, uh, set of ideas. And there's a lot of stereotypes that I think non-Southerners have about the South. And I think so much of that comes from the, just, just, you know, U.S. history and why, you know, and I think that that's something that like, even though, yes, there was the civil war, geez, 150 years ago, but that, 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 you know, historical incident and the aftermath and all of the, the laws and the way that the South has been just economically, uh, was sort of subdivided from a lot of the rest of the U S during the 1800s or whatever, that is a very present historical, um, I think feeling and spirituality within a lot of, I think Southerners, I think that is something that is, is, Oh yeah. If it's still being reflected in 1984, that there is this like collective history of, of sort of being, being outsiders, othered, maybe yeah. being othered, being othered, even, even within this, this vast country. Oh yeah. That we have, that it's, I, I think, I think we, the, the cause I think really yeah. like, that really, I feel very strongly about that. You oh know, yeah. The, the sense of like, well, what, what, how, how do we, how do we as, as, uh, you know, people find purpose in, in a region that has historically been underserved, underrepresented, had this, you know, history of prosperity and has just been knocked down for 150 years. Mm -hmm. Maybe that is why, you know, there is this, this, um, I don't know if I'm making any sense at all, but it, ma it makes sense in my head that there is that there are these themes that are constantly coming up in these plays, in the literature. And stereotypes, yeah. Well, and it's it's very true that there is um, there the the themes, the things that happen in the Civil War are very much 
affecting our daily life today. I mean, oh, yeah. we Absolutely. we still have a lot more poverty in the mm-hmm. South than we do around the Midwest, uh, certainly in the me- metropolitan areas of the North. You know, mm-hmm. we live in Seattle and we really haven't um, seen that, you know, mm-hmm. the decline of mm-hmm. the cotton and yeah, yeah, we have a and, completely different regional history here in mm-hmm. the Pacific Northwest than yeah, and in the Southeast. <laughs> there's yeah, and the and the history very much plays a role in the in the South. Uh, it plays a role on all of us, but yeah, it's it's definitely talked about and it weighs heavy on the South. Mm. I do agree that there it's like it is a stereotype when we talk about. Southerners, there are definitely stereotypes that mm. aren't always true, mm-hmm. um, but they feed a larger theme of decay and despair, despair I guess. Yeah. yeah, like the disdain for, mm-hmm. and then the need for community and mm-hmm. religion and yeah. Yeah, I I mean I definitely see that. I don't know much about southern culture, so I can't really Well, I wonder also if now in, in just in thinking about that is mm-hmm. the idea of um uh you know, sort of like country country versus city. Like there's, you know, we we now we now are a country where more people live in cities live in cities, you know, I, I think uh, Elaine was living in New Orleans or near New Orleans, you know, in some sort of larger metropolitan area mm-hmm. um, when she then comes back to kind of, you know, the smaller, a little bit more podunk town of her, her hometown, yeah. you know. Um, but being a sort of now heavily industrialized um, country <laughs> and then dealing with you know how what is the lifestyle when when people like it wasn't that long ago that more people lived in 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 the country quote unquote um yeah in the city when we were more of an industrial uh society than or not industrial sorry agricultural society than industrialized and now that it's very much the urban populations are far far larger than country this is really also i feel like beth henley is making a commentary on living what is like living in smaller communities living Mm -hmm. in more rural communities and what is that like which is something that I've experienced in my own family not for myself I'm like definitely (laughs) urbanized city girl but my family who lives in you know the poorest county in the state who lives in Mm -hmm. these small towns what has their life been like and what is what are their values like and their sense of community is very different from mine even though we're we're blood you know so yeah yeah, I'm from a fairly rural area, mm-hmm. and I do often. I'll talk to people from other countries and find more in common mm. with people from other countries who grew up in rural areas than I do with people from cities. City I'm like, <laughs> oh, I don't understand that feeling. That's a city feeling, yeah, <laughs> which I do yeah. now. I live in the city now. This is right, mm, right, kind of more who I am. But before mm-hmm. Seattle, this I mean, Seattle was the biggest city I'd ever lived in mm-hmm. before I moved here five years ago. So, yeah, yeah it, I definitely uh, feel that rural kind of, it's not, it's like, it's a tight community or it's mm-hmm. a, a community where no matter what you do, you're going to be visible. Right, um, right. So Carnell, you know, uh-huh. has, goes through a period where she just wants to be loved and she has a lot of sex. 
Right. Um, and everybody knows about it. Everybody knows and everybody judges her for mm-hmm. it, you know, at the same time. Even though it's kind of like, well, but some of you are, you know, enjoying this, certainly yeah. with her. So what Many is really the pro? Well, then we can get on to whole issues like <laughs> sexism and double standards. I mean, God, Which we could just keep going. <laughs> it's prominent in this play. And very so, so Beth Henley, this play has been criticized for being a feminist play and for mm. not being a feminist play, mm. um, which is interesting. Um, and Beth Henley uh, is only, one of only three playwrights who got the Pulitzer in 1980, who is also a woman. Um, and yay, very right. This is very much a play about women, by women, for women mostly. Mm-hmm. I mean, mm-hmm. for everybody, but like it's a it's very much a play that's empowering women mm-hmm. um but i like she's certainly not wendy wasserstein who was one mm. of the other playwrights who uh was nominated for the or won the pulitzer in 1989 mm. wendy wasserstein won the pulitzer for playwriting um and wendy wasserstein is 100 percent feminist all the way um I mean, Beth Henley's just not that person. I don't... Do you feel like this play was, was feminist? How do you... You know, it, that is... It's such it's such an interesting term. And I... Why did I use the word interesting? I mean, so many things are interesting <laughs> and interesting. I guess it doesn't really hold a judgment either way, mm-hmm. uh, either negative or positive. But it, 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 it... You know, I've heard a feminist described as... Um, anyone who promotes the uh, who who promotes and supports the empowerment of women, and there are of course so many different ways to do that. Mm-hmm. Really, I mean, it, you know, I think a lot of times we think of feminists as being on the forefront of politics, on saying you know women, women, all the time, everywhere, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Um, which I think is absolutely an important part of that. Mm-hmm. And at the same time, I think that, you know, part of being a feminist is really just is being able to tell our stories and not judge women for the choices that they make. Indeed. I um, agree. You know? I mean, <laughs> so I think in that, in that sense, this could be considered a feminist play because mm-hmm. I think, you know, ultimately... I mean, aside from the, the, you know, the townsfolk off, you know, off stage who are judging Carnell and mm-hmm. <laughs> throwing all sorts of whatever at her and calling her Miss Hot Tamale and da, da, da. For her past, her, you know, her, her family, the friends around her are not judging her. They are encouraging her and empowering her. Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, and ultimately saying, well, this is who you are. And you know what? We love you and we want you to be the best. We want you to be happy. So I think in that, you know, absolutely it is a feminist play in that sense. Um, you know, but not, you know, if we're, if we're looking at sort of when we think of feminists, I think, you know, again, that stereotype firebrand, then it would not be that. <laughs> but, but but that's, you know, opening up the, the idea of feminism being so much more. Yeah. Part of feminism and part of, like, putting female women in the forefront of, is it's just writing the stories. Telling exactly. the stories is 
the first thing we have to do. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. We have to, you know, we have to tell all stories. Mm-hmm. I mean, that, that is a big, a very big theme. Um, I would say recently I found as an actor here in Seattle is just getting, getting the stories out, people telling the stories and you can hear it even, you know, all, all around the nation. I feel like a lot of women are coming out and saying, these are the, uh, let me tell my story. Let me tell my story. Yeah. Women, people of this color, people of color, yeah. LGBTQ folk, uh, disabled folk, like, or, uh, a- otherly abled folk are like, yeah. this is all, um, this is what ultimately I think people want to see. Even sometimes if they don't know it, you don't, you don't have to know like, oh, I want to see a film about someone who isn't like me until you see it. And you're mm-hmm. like, oh, oh, I didn't know that. Oh, is that what that's like for them? And maybe you even see yourself in them, which is what I've found fascinating about all stories is looking for myself or people that I know mm-hmm. that are close to me and finding them in the people whose stories are being told. Yeah, I agree. I find it inspiring. Too. So inspiring. Mm-hmm. I just, <laughs> yeah, you're right. I want to listen to all the stories. I'm kind of tired of, I hate to say it, I'm kind of tired of, you know, the same old stuff. Uh, Arthur Miller, I could never see an Arthur Miller play again and no. be okay. I, I, it's, <laughs> why, why is a story, the story is absolutely valid. Mm-hmm. Um, in the way that all stories are valid. But yeah. why is it why is it more valid than something else is being told? I was recently in a play um, that, you know, it, it was a lot of fun. But I found, again, that it was a story where the focus was on a man. And it was the man's story to tell. And mm-hmm. I thought, oh, even though there are some strong women in this, they ultimately end up being, you know... Um, side characters for the purpose and the goal of the man's character. And mm-hmm. and I just said to myself, you know, I, why, why is it that I'm telling this story? I feel, and it was in the particular story, which was kind of boy gets girl was again, a theme that is very, very, very done is done mm-hmm. to death. And, and being there, I was like, well, can I be the boy who gets the girl or can it be a boy getting a boy or can it be a girl getting a girl? I mean, like, mm-hmm. like, let me see more of those stories. Cause I don't get to see those stories enough. Yeah. You know, I want to see more of that to make me think that, Oh, maybe that is also just as normal yeah, you know, or whatever, you know, so anyway. <laughs> and, it, and it takes just one person or just one time seeing something on screen or on stage for somebody to say, oh, other people feel that. Other yes. people think that. Yes. And to validate somebody, um, which is honestly why I came into theater. I, I just want to tell people like, hey, we're more similar than we are different. We um, are so much more similar. <laughs> so much more similar. Yeah. Yeah. That is, that is definitely one of the best parts for me being an actor is getting to tell these stories that are not necessarily my own. Yeah. You know, anyway, um, (laughs) I just have a couple more things for you. Okay. Awesome. First, second, third, whatever number we're on. Why are we numbering? (laughs) I don't know. Numbers are irrelevant at this point. Um, what, play do you 
challenge for the next month. <laughs> I feel like it's a challenge for me. Like, give me something to read. Um, I, I <laughs> so I, without in, intending, I guess you can probably figure out where I'm going because I keep talking about this, but the play that immediately popped into my mind um, is Spike Heels by Teresa Rebeck. Okay. Um, it, of course, is also written by a woman, also written in the 80s, um, but, and I happen to be doing a monologue from it. Okay, so I'm a little bit, <laughs> I'm a little, you know, but it, it is, an, um, do you want me to describe it? Describe yeah, get, it tell you, tell us what you want to tell us okay. about it. So it, it, for me, I find it, despite being 30 years old, still very relevant in looking at, again, um, issues of sexism and issues of classism. It's, mm-hmm. It has just just reading sort of the the synopsis that uh, the playwright gives at the kind of beginning of the play that it had been kind of compared to a, a modern day Pygmalion, um, you know, which, which it is in a way, and they actually reference that in the in the play itself, which is funny. Like, what is this like pig thing? I'm sorry, you know, but uh, it's is fascinating to me because of just how how the different characters interact with each other and and oh my god even just looking at what's going on in the headlines right now i found it to be very incredibly relevant so you think to yourself you know well why is this still relevant 30 years later because it's still happening so mm-hmm. i i really enjoy it i enjoy the the banter of it i enjoy i enjoy all of teresa rebeck's work really um i really enjoy her as a playwright uh but yeah so that that's really that's my recommendation and i think Yay. it's it's fun Okay, I'm excited. Um, <laughs> the final thing, uh, do you want to try a southern accent? Please. Oh, oh, oh man. Uh, <laughs> you, we can pick a, a line from the play. I, yeah, please. Yeah. <laughs> Let me, okay. Because <laughs> some of those lines are really good, too. I'm, uh, um, there, it's funny because I really like in, in sometimes in reading in reading mm-hmm. plays you have to you have to just read it out loud if it's uh, if it's written in a way that the person speaks which I wish more people would do that mm-hmm. because it it gives you so much insight into where the character is coming from just knowing the child. way that they shape their words the way that they say things the the cadence the rhythm all of that um, oh god let me see if I can find something. Desperate, desperate attempt. I'm just going to read a couple of lines here that are different Go characters. Go for it. Okay. Oh, I know, I know. I suddenly decided to cut my stay off short with my mother-in-law. I decided just to drive by Hollow Bluff and beep twice. Because I found the dime in the black-eyed piece. Oh, you crazy thing. Are you trying to look like a bareback rider in the Shirley Carnival show? Why, Carnell, you're saving my life. Why, hello, honey. Oh, well, on to the wisteria trees. Oh, why, hello, Papa. It's so nice to meet you. What a smashing outfit. (laughs) I don't know if that's the right southern accent, but that's just what I can do. (laughs) That was so much fun. Okay, well, thank you, Isis. (laughs) Thank you so much for having me, Amy. Yay! Play on words with Amy. Because when I'm dancing.